Hello, hello, Mediaverse members, and welcome to Mediaverse Unwrapped, where we bring our non-toxic Facebook community of Marvel fans to life. I'm your host, Max Taff, and I'm joined by the Ravona Renslayer to my Miss Minutes, Megan Spangler. I'll prune the shit out of all of you. <laughs> On today's episode, we're discussing Loki Season 2, Episode 5, some Easter eggs you may have missed, that shocking MCU Variety article, and the freshly dropped Echo trailer, along with so much more. Let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. So kicking it off with a little spoiler warning for anyone that has not seen episode five of Loki season two, we are going to get in it to win it, baby. So save this for later. If you haven't seen the episode, we're going to dissect it frame by frame, starting with the title, Science Fiction, aptly named. The episode opens with a terrified Loki, eyes squeezed shut against what may be the end of the universe, realizing that the temporal loom didn't obliterate him and that he's now alone at the TVA. That's right, Mobius, B-15, KC, and OB are nowhere to be found. Hell, no one is anywhere to be found, actually. The TVA seems to have been abandoned, leaving a time-slipping Loki alone in its crumbling headquarters. As Loki cautiously investigates, everything around him morphs into a noodly mess that envelops him before consuming the TVA. The screen in the timeline monitoring room enters its failsafe mode, and then everything is just gone. I mean, this whole scene with the TVA, it was so haunting, I thought. Definitely. Um, he just seemed so alone, and there was no one else there. It was... God, Tom Hiddleston acted the hell out of that. He was even crying. That was insane. Uh, it was, yeah. it was, it was pretty, I just, I loved it. It started off so wild and I loved it. It started off so strong. Um, but something interesting that I noticed in this episode, I don't know if anyone else caught this yet. Um, but when you're looking behind Loki at the actual timeline and the temporal loom in the background through the windows of the room that he's standing in when we first start the episode, like there was that big explosion, but, like, the loom is still working. Like, the loom is still making it into one timeline. You can see them, like, kind of spinning together, like, almost like as if, like, it had, like, a little hiccup and then kept going. It looked mm -hmm. like it was still working, which was weird. So I don't, I don't really quite understand what happened with all that, but I don't know. I did not notice that. Now I have to go. I watched it twice. <laughs> now i got to watch again. <laughs> I, it was just something I noticed. I don't know if it was like something big and I'm just making a bigger deal out of it, but I don't know, something interesting to take note of, I guess. It's since I haven't seen anyone bring that up, so that's weird. Yeah, it, it felt odd, but I don't know. Let's see. So the next scene takes us to 1962 San Francisco on a branched timeline where a group of prisoners, a group that appears to include Casey, attempts an escape from Alcatraz. Casey insists his name is Frank and that he has no idea who Loki is. Before he can get any further into the conversation, Loki time slips to another branch, this time encountering Hunter 15, who works as a pediatrician at a New York hospital in 2012. She glimpses Loki before he's ripped away all right. So just here alone, I mean, it's really interesting to have learned a couple different things. So number one, Casey, Frank, mm -hmm. what the hell escaping Alcatraz? That is so insane. Well, they said we're at Alcatraz and Loki was like, what? And I was like, Loki, why do you know what Alcatraz is? What are you? Yeah. You're not even from Earth. What is that? Is that big a thing? Like That was wild to me. Pretty uh, competent for Casey, who I feel is like a buffoon. So that's interesting. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, <laughs> another thing I wanted to point out about this, New York 2012, I was expecting her to like recognize Loki as like the crazy man on the news that the Avengers stopped. I was expecting that. I feel that. like I feel like there is a part that they took out that does that. Really? Yeah, because I feel like she did look at him and was like, oh, God, you. But then he, like, disappeared. And she's like, what just happened? Like, it, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel I feel like they really should have kept in, like, oh, God, you. Loki, no. Yeah. It, it, it just I saw you on TV. Like, yeah, it felt like something was missing from that for me. 
I, I definitely feel like it was interesting that um, they kept it to 2012 New York when that's like pretty much where she found him was in 2012. So, I mean, I don't know. Nice little, nice little um, There's thing that going on there. There's that we all love. Exactly. Exactly. It yeah. came full circle for sure. Yeah. Snake eating its own tail. <laughs> <laughs> but next scene, cut to the shot we've been waiting almost two seasons to see. A grinning Mobius straddling a jet ski. In this timeline, Mobius is a jet ski salesman in Cleveland, Ohio, and he's just shown off one of their newer models to a thoroughly disenchanted customer. Loki appears and chats with him just long enough to learn that Mobius also doesn't recognize him, and then cut to another time slip. He, this time in 1994, uh, Ob is struggling science fiction author who sneaks his books into bookstores and then buys copies of them to shore up interest in his work. It was so sad. It was so sad. I felt bad for him. <laughs> oh my god. Loki shows up and manages to avoid time slipping long enough to explain his situation to Obi, who remains intent on selling his books, but eventually offers some insight. He points out that it's impossible to time travel in a place that has no time, and that traveling to a time slash place that doesn't exist anymore is just as impossible. He tells Loki that he needs to rein in his time slipping, but Loki claims it's random and there's no way for him to control it. Obi points out that because Loki keeps time slipping to specific points in time to which his friends were sent to, he can control it. And this is where things get more convoluted. That if he assembles everyone who was present when the loom exploded, he can undo what happened. Pretty wild. That part really came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? It kind of did. I was like, yeah, that's never been talked about before. But I like it, but it's like... I wish they would have said something about it before now. It, it was just, there were a few different interesting things about um, meeting Obi's actual life on the timeline. Um, first of all, yeah, like you said before, that whole book selling thing was like sad and a little pathetic for so Obi. Sad. I felt bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Um, the interesting thing is that his house looks exactly like his workshop in the TVA. Yeah. Which I found so crazy. Um, that was wild. Yeah, because I looked at it and I was like, ah, what, what's going on here? Still, I'm still suspicious of the little guy. Yes, exactly. Which <laughs> made me feel a little sus because why is it that everybody on the timeline that was kidnapped and, you know, their variants were forced to work as a TVA agents, you know, everyone's just kind of had to conform to the TVA except OB. Like, why is it that he gets this special lab air workshop area that, looks just like the one he had on his actual on the sacred timeline so that's that to me was suspicious um yeah i don't know i don't know so much craziness with ob i'm still i'm still not sure of him but i digress so loki time slips away again but not before handing ob the tva guidebook he reunites with Mobius in Cleveland and attempts to explain everything to him only for Obi to join them via time door a few moments later. Loki convinces Mobius to come with them and using the time door, they fetch B-15 and Casey from their respective branches and convene in Obi's reality at his workshop. Loki then visits Sylvie at her McDonald's where he's shocked to learn she still remembers everything that happened. And I'm going to stop here for a second. This uh, this part of the episode kind of annoyed me a little bit because it's like he time slipped to that McDonald's at first, knowing that Sylvie was there. And he never go like decides like, oh, I'm going to, you know, figure out a way to go back or tr I'm going to try and visit Sylvie first. Because when you think about it, he visits her at McDonald's. That's not where she's from. She's from Asgard back in the day. That's yeah. where her, she was taken from her timeline. So the fact yeah. that she was put back on that branch like, to me, I would have been like, oh, she must remember if she's at McDonald's. Like, wh wh what else could that yeah, be? Yeah, when I, when I saw her at McDonald's, I was like, all right, she knows. And then I yeah. was like, well, how the hell does she know? Like, I, it, mm -hmm. I know they're going to explain it all, but it's like, I was having trouble with a lot of it. Not that I didn't like it, but it, it was just a lot of new stuff that I feel like we mm -hmm. didn't know. We, we, I feel like we should have known. I don't know why she remembered uh don't know why all of them together would stop the explosion there was just a lot of things that i, I have questions about that no one can really answer for me 
I have to agree with you. I feel like every episode, especially in the second season, it feels like they're just throwing the rules out the window, but doing so deliberately. To me, it mm-hmm. feels like everybody was so invested in this narrative that He Who Remains created about like the timekeepers and how the sacred timeline works and how pruning works and how like why they exist and what their purpose is that like the actuality of time travel and how it's working seems to be very different from from that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's something that we should actually pay attention to because it, it feels yeah. like this is how things are actually are and what he was perpetuating were the lies he was making up to just you know control everyone and the timeline so we'll see if that gets addressed in the next episode to me it feels like loki's making the rules now Mm. i have i have a theory that goes with that but we we may continue okay they discuss their options over a drink sylvie explains that mobius casey b15 and ob are all where they're supposed to be and that loki should leave them in their timelines Loki admits he doesn't know where he belongs without his friends and that he wants to save everything because he doesn't want to be alone. Sylvie leaves and Loki tells everyone he's sending them home. This scene broke my heart, truly. This bitch. She just left. He said, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. Okay, on that note, I'm going to leave. Like, you left him alone. She was like, good luck with that. Uh, I just have not been a big fan of hers this season. I wasn't a fan of hers last season. Who am I kidding? But this season, I'm like, why are you here? Either you're really, really angry or you're telling Loki he's wrong and everything is everyone else's fault. But this is all because of you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, I feel like, like it almost feels like gaslighting. I don't know. It kind of does. I mean, look, here's where I kind of fall with this. Sylvie, this whole season despite the fact that she's gotten her own life now and she's like having experiences and living and not having to be on the run, whatever. She's been very salty. Yeah. Still is holding on to so much that she needs to just kind of start letting go of now. Um, especially with Loki, like that whole scene, like he's talking to her, telling her I'm so alone, this and that would have been a perfect opportunity to have like a romantic interaction between them or her, like, you know, touch his hand or, you know, something, something. It just seems like Sylvie couldn't be less interested in Loki at this point. Like it really feels like, like she's not, she's just not into like what they started last season. I don't know. It just, it feels very different between them. Like, I don't know. I feel like she could have been a little bit more like, oh, you know, you're not alone or like comforted him a little bit. And then she was just like, yeah, well, you know, that sucks. Gotta go have fun. Need to go fry some McNuggets. Like, I don't know. Well, like they don't have to have a romantic thing because we've all made the jokes, you know, yeah, hey, you're just in love with yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But she really could have taken the opportunity to show her character had depth and did comfort him yeah. somehow. Like, I get it. I've been there. I've been on the run my whole life. But she was like, mm, send him home. Bye. Like, what? Yeah, I just don't like, I don't like her, man. And I feel like if I knew her in real life, I would really hate her. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> she probably would be a like, very intense personality to try and like interact with. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. Very self-centered. But one thing I will say about this whole scene is that I, I will agree with what she said, like in, in in regards to, oh, they're back where they're supposed to be. Like I kind of got where she was going with it, especially mm-hmm. not she didn't know about the spaghettification of like reality that was happening um, until later. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense that she would say that. And I kind of to a point agree, like, yeah, just leave them where they're at because it's like now you're plucking them from the timeline to like mess with them even further. But at the same time, like, I don't know, I feel like she didn't handle it well. Loki broke my heart. And I feel like this whole scene was meant to be, like, tough love on her part. Like, getting him to, like, okay, you're not a TVA man. You have another motivation here. I'm a Loki. I know that you're going after something else. There's another something else that's that, that you want. And she finally got out of him. It's, it's, it's the fact he doesn't want to be alone. Yeah. And it, it really does question, like, without the TVA... Without, you know, this purpose, like, what does Loki do? Does he go back to Asgard? Does he, like, where does he fit into things? I mean, it's true. It's a very valid, you know, existential crisis he's having. So I get it. And she's one to talk to say, just leave him be and go do your own thing. Well, meanwhile, Loki's time slipping and doesn't really know what to do or how to help himself or what's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. So, like, cut the guy some slack. He's doing as best as he can. Agreed. Agreed. I don't know. Sylvie, Sylvie's rubbing people the wrong way this season. And I, I mean, I, I still like her character and I still like her, but I do feel like there's, 
I don't know. Let's see how the finale goes, and then we'll 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 touch back on this. But I don't know. I agree. It was a little mixed, especially in this episode. I will say. Agreed. But shortly after that, we see Sylvie in a record store testing out new music while she's relaxing. While she's relaxing, listening to a record, Sylvie's timeline starts coming apart. She uses a time door to reunite with Loki, who is still trying to convince everyone to go home. She informs everyone what's happening, and with Sylvie now present. And finally believing Loki that there really is some craziness going on, Loki realizes they have everything and everyone they need to reset time and reverse the temporal loom's destruction. Casey, Obi, Mobius, and Sylvie suddenly unravel the same way Victor Timely did, prompting Loki to time skip to just before the loom bursts back at the TVA. And that's where the episode ends. Why did... Okay. Felt like an abrupt ending, but... Why did Sylvie spaghettify? That's a good question. Like, okay, so why did she turn into spaghetti when she was one of the ones that remembered? Wouldn't she, wouldn't there be a correlation there? Like, I don't know. Is she special? I don't know. But when she started going, I was like, all right, I don't even know. (laughs) There's no rules here. Things are just happening. Yeah. So here's my theory on why Loki is basically the the new he who remains because he is the one who remains after everyone else gets like grounded to spaghetti (laughs) um the first episode when he's time slipping and they're trying to fix him and ob gives him that contraption you know mobius goes out into the you know in front of the sacred timeline he shoots that thing into the timeline to, to rescue loki after loki gets pruned you know when they first introduced the concept of what that was signifying like what that was actually doing to loki Ob says it's that they they're removing Loki from the timeline, and th- but they're instead of him going to the void, what they were doing was they were plucking him from being pruned all the way to the void and taking him back to the TVA. Mm-hmm. So he is re- completely removed from time. Oh. He no longer has like a set timeline. He no longer makes an impression on that. Hmm. I think that's what they were doing to the variants at the TVA. That's how they got them there, and they don't cause problems. All the TVA agents. But I will say, I think that that whole process is what makes Loki, I wouldn't say immune to the spaghettification, because we still don't know if that's, like, what it is. But it's what keeps him from, you know, getting sent back to his branch timeline, you know, once that once the uh, temporal loom exploded. And it's what t- kept him from spaghettifying and being able to time slip again. And I think that's the main difference between him and Sylvie, because... You know, Sylvie is also a special variant of Loki. You know, she knows what's going on. She's, you know, very directly tied into the story. But she was someone just existing on the timeline. And if you remember, He Who Remains even said, like, you're following my exact path for you. So she is still on whatever, you know, a normal part of the timeline, a normal, you know, aspect of time where Loki has been removed. That is where I think the difference is, if that makes sense. I don't know if I explained no, that. No, that, right. that was good. I like that. Um so that's my theory anyway my theory is that which i will not lie it is based off someone else's theory our fellow admin clayton so thanks clayton you're great so when he who remains says i'll see you soon at the end of the last episode i think that was the end and the beginning of a whole new thing where loki is recreating the tva but it's a circle. It go. You don't know where it started or it ended. So was the TV the, mm. TVA there first or did Loki create it? Because you have to think, he just gave OB the TVA handbook. I think he's creating the TVA yes. again. So uh-huh. it's. I think it's going to turn out like he uh, Loki's going to, they're going to say, Loki, you created the TVA. This was all you. He's like, no, it was here when I got here. And they're like, but you still brought them all on and took them from their lives. And then they're yeah. going to be like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? That's what I think it's going to be. It just seems like everywhere we turn in this show, there's like some new paradox to yeah. like explore. Um, <laughs> Which I like. At first it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of do too. It's interesting. I mean, first we see OB, you know, learning from Victor Timely, who learned from OB, and that kind of creates their own little loop there. And now we're seeing kind of like the creation of the TVA, and then He Who Remains plan to kind of re-jumpstart things, where, you know, Miss Minutes sent Ravona to drop off that TVA handbook to Victor Timely. Um, so it's just, we're getting a lot of that. I really hope that they clear everything up in the finale. That's what I would really love to see, is like, 
them just like set everything straight as to what the fuck's going on. Because <laughs> I like I'm as much as I'm enjoying this season, I'm still very confused on a lot of different things. So I am too. I don't know. I but I do like how confused we are because you know there's other shows you're like oh I already know the ending I already know what's gonna happen but this one we don't know mm-hmm. we didn't even know what this episode was gonna be about like I like this I I like what they're doing with this I do too it makes our job more fun that's for sure very very true. So, we have the Easter eggs you may have missed, as usual. The title card for Loki is usually the same each week, with each individual letter of the word shifting fonts and styles until they land on the now-recognizable title. However, Loki Season 2, Episode 5, includes an Easter egg to the episode's events hidden within the title's animation. Before settling on the usual title for Loki, each letter disappears and reappears, completely rather than simply switching styles as usual this sets up the story of the episode more specifically the plot point of loki disappearing and reappearing throughout time i i saw Mm. as soon as it came on the screen i was like this is different this is different i don't have time to think about it so i was really excited (laughs) this is different this is different My poor husband's just, I love it. My poor husband's just like, I don't, I, okay. I don't know what's going on, but okay. Oh, God. <laughs> so, poor guy. He, he's fine. He, he lives very well. <laughs> so, our next one in a blink and you'll miss it moment from the start of the episode, when Loki wanders around the TVA and enters into the automat, there isn't any pie in there this time. It seems to be a sign that when the temporal loom exploded, it changed things so drastically so that nobody had ever been at the TVA. Wow. I know. So, I'm ashamed to say, despite, you know, hashtag Max's pie theory, that I didn't even notice that, to be honest with you. I, well, because he opened the door and I didn't realize it was the automat. And I was like, what room is that? Why did it pause there? And then going back a second time, I was like, oh, 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 oh. There's supposed to be pie in there. So, yeah, I thought that was an exciting one. I mean, this is an interesting one, though, because I will point out one thing that I did notice with this particular Easter egg that you brought up is that when he walked past that, I don't know what what the room is called. It's like a torture room or whatever. The one with the glass box that they like brushed everyone in last episode. The orange room, whatever it is. Where the torturing machine is. Yeah. Yes. The orange room. Yeah. That room, they, they showed the stool. That a few episodes ago, we saw Loki crush when he was interrogating Brad Wolf, aka X5. Yeah. And it was not crushed anymore. So that's one thing that I did notice. Um, And I thought to myself, is he in the same TVA? And then when you brought this up, I'm like, hmm. So it reset. Something weird's going on. It reset everything. It's never been used up. He's creating the TVA. Ah. (laughs) Good job, Megan, and not Clayton. Megan's TVA theory. Hope he, hope he hears this. <laughs> so, as Max mentioned before, as Casey's variant Frank is shown enacting his escape plan from Alcatraz, he can be heard saying, if they catch us, they're going to gut us like fish. This is a reference to one of Loki season one's funniest interactions between Loki and Casey. In the show's premiere episode, Loki tells Casey he will gut him like a fish, prompting Casey to reply, what's a fish? Much to Loki's confusion. As such, Frank's exchange in Loki Season 2, Episode 5, calls back to Loki and Casey's first interaction. I thought that was cool. I loved it so much. I did too. That was awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh, he said it, he said it. Yeah. We both had like excited moments this episode. <laughs> as soon as as soon as I heard him say it, I was like, oh my god. I was so happy. I know. Because I never get him on the first Me try. Too. I never realized on the first try, but that one I did. Moving on. Good for you, Megan. Great job. Thank you. Max mentioned this a little earlier. Frank Morris is an actual person. While Alcatraz prison officials claimed no inmates have ever escaped the facility before it closed in 1962, that was almost certainly not true. They would label escapees presumed drowned if they didn't find them. The final example of this is Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers in 1962. And this is the escape we see in the episode of Loki. It turns out that Casey from the TVA was actually Frank Morris. 
but there's a second part to it. That was so cool. It was. I really like that they did that. Ooh. So along with Frank were these two brothers played by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, who directed this and three other season two episodes of Loki. They were the directors. Mm, they were? Oh my God, I didn't even know that. That's so cool. Yeah. I love those little cameos. I did too. I loved the whole thing that they made Casey like an actual like historical figure. I thought that was so cool because I mean, really it, it it's, these people could be anyone like all the TVA agents. They could be anyone doing anything at any time, just plucked from the timeline as variants and like enslaved to work there. So I think that was really cool how he ended up being like one of like the famous escapees from Alcatraz, especially it kind of like how it tied into the whole mystery uh, aspect of it because they never found those people. They don't know if they may actually, I did escape or if they made it off and like, you know, went on the lamb and nobody ever heard from them again. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool because kind of like the TVA just plucked him from the timeline and like no one asked any questions. You know what I mean? Like they just assumed he went missing or something or drowned. So that was really cool. I really enjoyed that whole historical tie in that they did. I did too. I feel like it's more, it feels more grounded when they do that. Like, I feel like we, I feel closer mm -hmm. to it because it's like, that's my timeline that happened in my life. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that happened in our universe. Yes. Yeah. We're basically Marvel stars now. <laughs> yes <laughs> so this one might be a reach so bear with me peeps it turns out that hunter b15 is a doctor in new york and loki visits her in her office in 2012 the year and location didn't end up mattering but in the least for this episode there's nothing indicating any time or place in the scene itself beyond the title card but 2012 was when loki invaded new york with shatari like we said it's honestly pretty weird to specify this time and place and have it completely irrelevant. Did they delete the part of the scene where B-15 recognizes Loki, not as her TVA pal, but the most hated person in New York? Or will it come up again in next week's season finale? That's what I want to see. I want to see her, like, say something about it. Like, oh, you know, like, it's so funny. Now I'm here at TVA. Last week I was watching you blow up New York. So crazy, you know? Like, I want to see them, like, just reference it or something. I just want her to be like, so, like, why did you do that to New York? <laughs> you know, just, like, so casually. <laughs> that would be really funny to me. Yeah, it's like, one of your, like, alien friends dropped a something on my car, by the way. Just letting you know. Like, something just crazy like that. I would love it. Or, like... I don't know, something to tie in, I think would be great. Because, I mean, it would be such a waste if they made her specifically um, from 2012 New York and then just, did, like, glossed over the whole part. I mean, I, like I said before, it's like I, I like the full circle of it, but I feel like there needs to be some... I'll take anything. Something, something extra there, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll take anything. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Just reference it. Mm-hmm. So, when... I agree. When we see what Obi's life was before the TVA, it's revealed that he wrote a book named The Zartan Contingent, which is an Easter egg to multiple franchises. For one, the Zartan Contingent was first spotted in the credit sequence of Loki Season 2, Episode 1, meaning Episode 5 was set up at that onset of that season. Secondly, Zartan, or if I'm saying it wrong, Zartan, whatever, I don't know, is a reference to a G.I. Joe villain and is a master of disguise, somewhat like Loki himself. Finally, the Zartans are a race of shapeshifters from Marvel Comics, also referencing Loki's power set. Mm, that's really cool. I love those little references. Yeah, that one took way too long to find out because you, you had to get to confirm it all and make sure you're not making it up and make sure that it's relevant. Oh. So, if anyone else knows any more references to that one, please let me know. Hmm. <laughs> okay. At Sylvie's McDonald's, they have an arcade game called Zaniac, which is a reference to both Hunter X5 and Brad Wolf's movie from a few episodes ago, as well as the obscure Marvel villain that that joke was based on. If you stick around to the very end of the credits on this episode, you can hear a compressed old video game version of Brad's voice declaring, You died. Insert your coin, loser. It scared the trash out of me. Me too. <laughs> I was not expecting it. I just kind of let the credits roll at this point and not expecting anything. And then this happened and I was like, oh, 
what the and i have a surround sound so like it just like echoed around the room and scared like the bejesus out of me so i I totally get it (laughs) yeah because at the end of each episode i like pull out my phone and i go in our facebook group mediaverse comics and rap and i go and type what i thought about it on our discussion thread and i was just Mm -hmm. typing away and then i heard it and i was like oh oh my so yeah this one comes from gamestop.com by the end of the episode loki has seemingly gained the ability to travel through time and space at will he says he's going to rewrite his own story a little bit to save the TVA. It seems very much like Loki has swapped the mantle of God of Mischief for a new one, God of Stories. A relatively recent new interaction, Ooh. or sorry, inter- interaction of Loki in the comics. The God of Stories has the power to sort of rewrite reality, which is exactly what we'll mean for next week's finale is extremely unclear. But I'm guessing it'll be pretty complicated. I have been seeing this um, master or uh, god of stories situation for Loki, and I'm I have to say I love the evolution of his character. And I mean, really, this kind of answers the question as to what is next for him. Really, like if you know, once the TVA situation gets solved, like is he going to become the god of stories now? Is that going to be his new role? He has a new power now. He's utilizing the time slipping and controlling it to the point where you can consider it one of his abilities. I mean, I'm loving this growth for Loki. That's what I think, because he's not really the god of mischief anymore. And the comics have been uh, kind of teaming up with the movies, like with Miss Marvel. She's now a mutant in the comics as well. So this we could be seeing mm-hmm. that happen in real time right now. It's always exciting when that happens. I love that. I love when they, when the comics and the movies, they kind of feed off each other and they just kind of make these really unique new stories out of it. It's it's, it's really beautiful. I love that. I agree. I like that too. Um, but I have a bonus Easter egg for everyone. And this one I just learned about today um, <laughs> as we're recording. Marvel on their Twitter or X accounts. Um, by the way, you can follow us at MediaverseCU posted some promotional posters for Hunter B-15's medical practice. Mm -hmm. And some eagle-eyed fans on Twitter went back watching the episode and noticed that her name is actually revealed in this episode. So I think they zoomed in on her badge or something, but when you look at the promotional posters that Marvel put out today, you'll see why. So the, the promotional posters they put out are, the clinic is called Roger Willis Children's Clinic. And when they zoomed in on her credentials, they discovered that her name is actually Verity Willis. And Verity Willis was introduced in the pages of Journey into Mystery. She hails from Roxton, Oklahoma, a town associated with Asgardian presidents in the Marvel comics, after it was transposed to Earth. Verity possesses the unique ability to perceive lies and deceptions, making her a compelling character within the Marvel Universe. Her interactions with Loki, Thor, and other characters have often revolved around her ability and its impact on their interactions. Verity has been featured in storylines involving various mystical and otherworldly elements in the Marvel comics. So you see, guys, she's actually connected to Loki through the comics, which I found very interesting. And That is interesting. If you know, notice, right? Back in season one, she was always cutting through Loki's bullshit, and she was never having any of it. She was always able to see right through him and his games, and it ties into this character description I just read. So that was a really interesting one, I thought. I like that. Good job, Max. I like that one. Good to say. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But that's it for our Easter egg breakdown. If we ever miss any, or if you guys ever want to contribute some, send them over to us. We love hearing from you always. Yes, please do. And if we, you know, if we screw up, please let us know. We don't want to look stupid. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of reaching out, we have some comments from our members of our Facebook group, Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped, starting with Gems, who said, I finished this episode, and I ask again, as with all other five episodes, what were the critics watching when giving low reviews to this show? Yeah. I actually agree. It was a good episode. Mm-hmm. And then, mm, yeah. oh, I've just been like pissed. Like, <laughs> how are you going to give it a five out of 10? Sh- shut up, IG. I know. That's such bullshit. Especially <laughs> when this, I feel like this is honestly some of the best 
Marvel television work that we've seen on Disney Plus. Definitely. I agree. Moving on, Cameron said, when Sylvie was pressing him on what he really wants, I was expecting Loki to blurt out, I want to be the hero. I thought that too. I thought, I thought he was going to say something like, I want to help people. I want to save them. I don't, but he was like, I want my friends. I was like, oh, you're just going to ruin me that way. That's so sad. I know. It is. It is sad. Um, I don't know what I was expecting him to say. I don't know if I was expecting him to be, I want to be the hero because while Loki has become like a good guy, I still think that he's just too mischievous to ever want to be like the hero hero. You know, I feel like Loki still likes to play by his own rules and he likes to do the right thing, but I don't know if he would consider himself to be a hero at this point. What do you think? I think he knows he's doing hero things but he doesn't consider them hero things. He, he just considers them the right thing to do. So he doesn't, I don't think yeah. he thinks of himself as a hero. I think he would have said, I want to help my friends or I don't want all of this to happen. Or, you know what? I really wanted something petty and him to say, I want to undo all the shit you did to Sylvie. And I, I wouldn't even need to see the <laughs> finale. That'd be good enough for me. Just like put her on blast and like let her have it. Yeah, like I don't, I don't want to see anything else after that. I'm good. That that perfect ending for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know what I was expecting him to say when she kept pressing him. I almost half expected him to say like I want to go home or like I like something like that. But I mean, I don't know. Interesting. I want to be the hero. It would have been very shocking to me if he had said that. I want to be the hero. I don't know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And our last member, John, said. I feel like this episode would have worked better in a show where the entire season is dropped all at once. Right now, I am just pissed that I feel like I have to wait an additional week and they are at the same point they were last week. <laughs> you know? I get it. I, I get it. it. I get it. I get what he's saying. I, after the episode, I was like, I feel like I know more things, but I know the wrong things. Like, I don't know anything that's helpful right now. You know what I mean? Like, I learned so much stuff there. Yeah. But nothing's nothing's going to help this finale. I, I don't know. I, I get what he's saying. Because we, we all went a whole week with that banger of an episode on our minds. And then yeah, we get their backstories. Which I like their backstories. But it's like, still, it, it's hard to come off such a big episode. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you. Like, look, I, I enjoyed the episode. I loved it. It was a very good episode. Um, I definitely didn't have any problems with it, really. Ex, you know, but I do kind of have to agree at the end when it cuts to the credits. I kept expecting more. I also felt like this week was a little bit shorter than the other weeks, which I think it was a shorter episode. Um, and the thing is, I wouldn't call this episode a filler episode because I feel like it moved the plot along of, yeah. the, of you know, getting us to that finale. It definitely, it definitely introduced a lot of concepts I think that are going to be touched up and like polished off in the finale next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say, like, you know, and I've been saying this since season one, I wanted to know what they're, you know, once they were revealed to officially be variants, I wanted to know these people's backstories. I wanted to know where they came from. And we finally got it. And it just, like, you know, you can't have it both ways, I guess. It's kind of, like, careful what you wish for, right? Because this episode, while, you know, last last week left us with that huge, like, potentially universe-changing finale where, like, the whole timeline just, like, looked like it blew up. Um, and we were wondering if Loki was even going to be alive this week. Um... I feel like it kind of built us up so high that now they kind of had to go back. And now is when we kind of get like those questions that we've had since the beginning answered. Like we get to see why does Loki or why does Mobius like jet ski so much? Where is Hunter B-15 from? Where is Casey from? Like, where do these people come from? Like, what's their actual story? And now we finally got it. Yeah. And the thing is, the episode ended like right where we started back at that moment, right before the loom, you know, explodes, or I guess we started right after, but right at that same moment. And we're right back to the the thick of the action starting teeing us up for a really epic finale. So I think that this episode served its purpose. I wasn't disappointed by it, but I definitely see where someone could say like, Oh, we're kind of at the same point that we were at the end of last week. So I get where John is coming from. I think it's also a hard pill to swallow that next week is the finale. And we only got six episodes, and then they said they saved the second to last episode for their backstory. So I get it. I, I, I get it. Yeah. But I definitely get it too. Yeah. Um, so we will be back next week 
for the finale. So excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, I'm assuming you've heard about the Variety article about the MCU. Oh, yeah. Been breaking the internet lately. Oh, my God. Yes. When I was writing this up, I was... Oh, I was just getting more and more pissed at it. So I'll just I'll just dive in, guys, and you can tell us later what you think. So we have to discuss the article from Variety that came out this week about the MCU, titled "Crisis at Marvel: Jonathan Majors' Backup Plans, The Marvels Reshoots, Reviving Original Avengers, and More Issues Revealed." Kind of aggressive. It says some of the pretty yeah. spicy things that are not confirmed. None of these things are confirmed, people. Just so you know. Just keep in mind, it's written by Tat uh, Tatiana Siegel, and she's the one that wrote that hit piece of Ray Fisher and Rolling Stones and was called out by Fisher and others for spreading lies. But I'll get to the rest of her resume at the very end, because there's more. This, this isn't the first time she's been caught spreading inaccurate information. In my opinion, this was written like a hit piece. For example, I found it to seem like it's leaning to alluding Jonathan Majors is guilty, which isn't fair since his trial is later this month. In the article, it says that Kevin Feige and other executives were so stressed about the situation with Majors that they had planned to replace Majors, King, Majors' character, King, with Dr. Doom. There's no evidence to back that up, but she still said it. In the article, it has a quote from a source, quote-unquote, that is supposedly a top dealmaker, and it says... Marvel is truly fucked with the whole Kang angle, and they haven't had an opportunity to rewrite until very recently because of the WGA strike, but I don't see a path to how they move forward with him, end quote. I don't understand why they said that. That It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It's just, it, it, it's pretty random, and it, it seems like the author was using very certain quotes to push her point. You know what's funny? I have to agree with what you said. I feel like she definitely was pushing her point. I mean, like Megan said, none of this is confirmed by Marvel. No, no one has said anything of this is true. And the sources that she kept listing, like she never had like definitive sources that she was listing. She she kept saying, oh, you know, a deal maker. Oh, someone in charge of this. Oh, you know, this this source doing this. And it's like none of these sources are were even comfortable enough to go on the record for you. So it's like, I don't think these sources exist. <laughs> but okay, we'll see. Continue. Don't worry, guys. It gets worse. Hmm. Another thing they discussed is the Marvels. The article says, beyond the bad press for majors, the brain trust at Marvel is also grappling with the November release of the Marvels, a sequel to 2019's blockbuster Captain Marvel. That has been plagued with lengthy reshoots and now appears likely to underwhelm with box office. Can we stop pretending that reshoots are a bad thing? Damn near every movie does it. And it's only discussed when it's an MCU movie nowadays. I swear to God. Every, almost every movie reshoots. It's true. It's such bullshit. Every movie does it. Every movie does it. Freaking Guardians of the Galaxy 3 did it. And it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The article continues, The Marvels, which opens in theaters November 10th, will struggle to get the ball past the infield, at least by Marvel's outside standards. The movie, which cost $250 million, Dollars sees Brie Larson reprising her role as Captain Marvel and is tracking to open to $75 million to $80 million, far below the $185 million Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness took in domestically in its debut weekend last year. End quote. Just to note, Barbie had about the same projection, and it's still number one on all fronts, so she doesn't mention that. And so did Elemental, the Disney animated feature that just came out that everyone said was bombing the box office and, you know, like it was doing terribly. And then like uh, like a few days later, it was like booming. Everyone was going to see it. So it's just, I don't know. This seems like a reach, but okay. Yeah. The author then, Tatiana, okay. <laughs> the author then goes on to say that the director of Marvel's, Mia DaCosta, began working on another project while the Marvels is still in production. That's a bit worrying, right? Well, it would be if it were true. It's been proven false by a few sources as soon as the article came out. So suck it, Tatiana. All right. Yeah. The article then goes on to discuss Marvel's VFX artists and the, quote, shoddy CGI job, end quote, they did in Quantumania. Apparently, with the switch in premiere dates between Quantumania and the Marvels, 
It put the VFX artist under a lot of strain in a rushed job of the third Ant-Man movie. It goes on to talk about the VFX artist unionizing. A quote from the article reads, There were at least 10 scenes where the visual effects have been added at the last minute and were out of focus, says one veteran power broker who was there. Quote, It was insane. I had never seen anything like that in my entire career. Everyone was talking about it. Even the kids of executives were talking about it. End quote. That just seems extremely petty thing to include in the article. Not one ounce of empathy for the VFX artists that did their best in a time crunch. Yeah, that's shitty. So she's she's just she's batting a thousand apparently. So, of course, you can't talk about the mistreatment of VFX artists without bringing up the firing of Victoria Alonso. The article reads: While the reason cited for her abrupt firing was her unauthorized role and the as a let me start that sentence over that was horrible the article reads quote while the reason cited for her abrupt firing was her unauthorized role as an executive producer on the oscar went oscar nominated film argentina 1985 insiders say disney was incensed that quality control on its marvel production was plummeting particularly on the ever-expanding tv front the VFX logjam had been evident for some time with some final effects for such Disney Plus seasons or series like WandaVision, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, inserted after their streaming debut. The Alon- that Alonzo was busy promoting her art house project while Rome burned certainly didn't sit well with Disney's leadership, end quote. It goes on to say that Alonzo was a scapegoat. For Kevin Feige. To me, it sounds like the author really just has it out for Kevin Feige. I agree. When I read this article, I got that impression that she was out for um, Feige and Feige and Jonathan Majors. It just felt like very, like she was really sinking her claws into them, which was interesting to me, but I don't know. It, it just feels, feels damn personal. Like, why is she so mad? The article. Oh, she was mad. She was pissed. The article then goes on to quote the book, The MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios. And I would love to point out that this book is an unofficial book, so none of it's confirmed. To quote the quote from the unofficial and confirmed book in question says, I'm not prepared to call it a permanent fall, but based on the numbers that go with Marvel podcasts, Marvel based articles, and friends who do Marvel based video coverage, all of these numbers are significantly down. But out of the, the whole, hell? out of the whole book, that's the quote you picked. The entire book. <laughs> Get out of here! I'm, I'm embarrassed for her. I am too. That's such a like like weak point too. Like, oh well, Marvel podcasts that fans make are down, so <laughs> they're clearly suffering. Like, what the hell? Um, bitch, we're doing great. So, thank you, listeners. Yeah. Excuse you. Thank you, guys. You guys are great. The next topic they discussed genuinely made me laugh because it's so easily proven incorrect, and it has been. The author says that Kevin Feige is pulling the plug on the reboot of Blade, and the project has gone through at least five writers, two directors, one shutdown six weeks before production. The author neglects to mention that the shutdown was due to the strikes, but okay. One person familiar with the script says the story at one point morphed into a narrative led by women and filled with life lessons. I find it very interesting that the author mentions that the narrative is led by women for a couple reasons. One, the main character, Blade, isn't a woman, so why would that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Two, this really seems to me like she's trying to get the attention from the MCU and the go woke, go broke crowd to her article. Because make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. Perhaps I'm reaching, but that's what it seems like to me. I feel like this honestly sounds like an idea that maybe someone like shot out and everyone was just kind of like, no, that sounds terrible. And then she's like, oh my God, but someone suggested it. It was in consideration at Marvel. Like they were considering making this the plot of the movie. Uh, and it's like, but she, I mean, she, sometimes these people who write these articles, like they, they run with a crumb and try to make it into a souffle. You know what I'm saying? Like they try and really like make a mountain out of a molehill. And it really, it's like, this just sounds stupid. Like if, if they were to really consider making a Blade movie that was led by other people that weren't Blade, like what's even the point? And it's not a Blade film. It's like a team up of something else. That 
a bit. And she never quotes a source. This has been debunked by so many sources. And she hasn't talked about it since. So, whatever. The rest of the article goes on to say what a failure the MCU is. Becoming, according to the author, but she does say that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was great. Thanks, Tatiana. That means all everything in the world coming from you. Speaking mm-hmm. of the author, Tatiana Siegel, or Seigel, <laughs> let's look at a few things that she's done before. This is the woman who wrote happy fluff pieces about Josh, Josh Whedon and put all the blame on Ray Fisher. You know the hit piece in the Rolling Stones about Ray Fisher? The one that multiple sources cl- claimed was untrue? This is her. Another thing on her lovely resume, she's the one that leaked Amber Heard's private therapy notes. She's also the one that accused Jason Momoa of dressing like Johnny Depp to scare Heard. Oh, and she's the one that made up a fake behind-the-scenes drama for CNN. So, with all this information, please make up your own mind about what she writes. What? I didn't realize she was the same person who leaked Amber Amber Heard's private therapy notes. Yeah. Yep. I found, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Amber Heard fan by any means, but, but I will therapy. say leaking someone's private therapy notes is fucked up. Yeah. And we don't even know if they were true. That's fucked up. Like, even if Pete, even if they weren't actually her therapy mm-hmm. notes, you still said they were. Like, I, I can't stand Amber Heard. Yeah. I think she's the devil. But like, you could have leaked anyone's private therapy notes. And then you went after Momoa, making him look toxic. That what i it's just weird to me that none of this is coming out we're only talking about the claims she's making we're not talking about who she is what she's done this woman is toxic as hell that's crazy i i don't know i i don't really know what to say about this other than, you know, Variety, if you're listening to us right now, I would really highly suggest putting mm-hmm. someone else to cover MCU stories besides her. Because it, it really, it came off very biased. The way she was writing, the way she was phrasing, the mm-hmm. way she was, you know, um, the way she was portraying the perspectives of the different things she was listing in her article. It came off as a very biased article from someone who was upset about a lot of different things. Um, I didn't like the way she came for Jonathan Majors and made it seem like a lot worse than yeah. it was. Like, oh... They're gonna. They're thinking of replacing him. This and that. Look, if Marvel wanted to replace Jonathan Majors, they would have toned him down in Loki season two. They would have, you know, they they could have done a lot of different things to make it so that they could course correct. Yeah. Obviously, they haven't done that. I don't know. I mean, and I guess that could also go like, how would I know that? I guess I don't. They could, you know, we none of us know. But the fact that she's has, has such a public, highly read platform, and she's perpetuating half truths. And things that aren't verif- aren't verifiable, claiming it's her sources, it it just it doesn't sit well. It doesn't. I, I don't I don't really like that. At all. And it it really pisses me off because Variety was like my favorite one. That was the one I always I always yeah. trusted because they always look up their sources. But they clearly didn't this time. Someone Damn. someone approved this to be posted. Someone did. So is Variety dropping the ball, or does she have that much pull? Because this shouldn't have been posted. This should already be removed. That it, she didn't have any confirmation of anything she said. She, none of these people, all these sources she's quoting, they could not just they could just not be real people. We didn't get names or anything. Yeah, that was just ridiculous. Like she, man. As soon as it came out, I was like, man, she just made our lives so much more busy. And then when I like was looking into it today and looking at all the other things she did, I was going to throw my laptop across the room. I was pissed. Yeah, I don't know. This this author of this article um, doesn't seem like the most trustworthy person given her track record. And I just, I find a lot of the things that she's done to be really questionable. I mean, I'm all about like, you know, journalists, you know, being a journalist and bringing that breaking news, but like at the expense of what, like lies and half truths and, you know, biased articles that are creating buzz online. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like this. It made me feel gross reading it, to be honest with you. And that was before I even knew that she had done all those other things that Megan just told us about. So I don't know.
So moving on to Tea Time with Max and Megan, starting off with a little bit of news on I Am Groot, which recently received two Children's and Family Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Short Form Program. That's awesome. Yeah, I was very excited for them. So the next one, Marvel Studios Special Presentation, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special received seven Children's and Family Emmy nominations. That's very well deserved. It is. I'm surprised they put it in that category, though, because, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess they, I don't know how they classify special presentations and things like that. But, I mean, seven Emmy nominations, that's that's great. That's really cool. I guess it's whatever it's rated on Disney Plus can be nominated. Hmm. Could be. Yeah. That's what I assume. Yeah. All right. So... The Echo trailer was released, and it is fantastic. I loved the trailer. So good. It'll be rated TVMA, and Disney Plus made a no- or Marvel Disney made a note on the post that I saw on Twitter stating that if you wanted to watch it, you would have to update your account settings to allow TVMA if they don't already. Um, all episodes will still drop, and the new official release date is January 10th on Disney Plus and Hulu. So you must set your Disney Plus profile to TVMA to stream. All episodes will be available on Hulu only until April 9th. So it looks like Hulu, it'll be a limited release. Disney Plus will be obviously the streaming home of Marvel Disney Plus series or of Marvel uh, television series. So that was such an interesting piece of news. Such a nice little surprise today. I really enjoyed that. First of all, Kevin Feige said, oh, she wants to talk shit. Drop that trailer. And then he flexed on everyone. That trailer was fantastic that look if you have yes, any it was so good. if you have any uh i don't know worry about daredevil born again watch this trailer and then tell us that they can't do dark it looks sick honestly um i love the fact that they used vincent d'onofrio as the focal point of the trailer and kind of yeah. like explained like how he's going to tie into things and i loved the native american imagery they started showing in the trailer and the, the cultural ties that they're planning on incorporating into the series and to maya's um character echo's character really excited about that also it looks like this is going to be a, a good show also if you want to i'm pretty sure it's not been confirmed by marvel but it's, it's there if you go to one minute and 27 seconds tell me who you see Perhaps it's Daredevil being thrown in the air in his red suit. Oh, my God. I have to go back and watch now. That's so exciting. I didn't even yeah. notice that. I was, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I watched it a I'm few so times. Stoked. I watched it a few like, times when I was like, that's him. I know it. <laughs> it's him. It's him. Oh, my God. I, I have to say, like, I love a lot of people have been talking smack about this show online. They've been saying, oh, they're moving it around too much. They're releasing it all at once. That's like a, you know, a sign. It's going to be crap and this and that. And it's about Echo, this character no one cares about. Look at what one trailer did. It changed everybody's mind. It made everybody who had said that eat crow. I'm, I'm so excited for this now more so than ever. I'm actually very hyped because I didn't know what to expect from an Echo show other than the little tidbits they've been releasing, but this blew all of my expectations out of the water and I'm so excited to see how this turns out and be able to binge the whole thing in one yes. day. Thank yes. God. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. This was so nice of you. After Loki, um, you, Kevin. Thank you. Echo, <laughs> the Marvels look fantastic. Everyone who's talking shit just wants to talk shit. Yeah. So that's how I feel. Exactly. I yeah. agree. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited for this and I think it's gonna it's gonna rock our socks and we will be here to cover it when it comes out. Yes, we will. You can count on us. Yes, you can. And that's a wrap on Mediaverse Unwrapped. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, you can follow me everywhere at His Name is Max. And you can follow me on Twitter at Megan the Gangsta. Join our non toxic Facebook group, Mediaverse Comics Unwrapped. Follow our public Facebook page, Mediaverse Plus. Follow us on all of our socials at Mediaverse CU. Our new episodes premiere Tuesdays everywhere you can listen to a podcast. 
Thanks for tuning in and goodbye for now. Knick knack, patty whack, give your dog a bone. This old man is rolling home. Amen, girl. Amen. <laughs>